Welcome to the Double Shot Drone Podcast, hosted by Davey Kieran and Mike Berthold, two professional Florida drone pilots and entrepreneurs. We're live. All right. Hey, guys. Uh, welcome to Double Shot Drones. Uh, What's happening, guys? Davey and Mike from Double Shot. Davey on the left, Mike on the right. Uh, we start this off. Uh, with a little shot could be it could tea. be anything. Mine happens tea. to be some kind of tea. <laughs> yeah. That's that, that, was my, tea. that was my Christmas gift from uh my brother, I think. But anyway, no, actually from my wife, I think. Um, well, cheers. Merry Christmas and happy cheers. new year for our happy um, new year, all. Yep. Uh so this is our so tonight, is, guys, we've got a uh, an amazing guest. We met uh, <clears throat> Mr. Ken Fleming at um, the expo myself and Mike did there a couple of weeks ago. At the Sunshine State Drone Expo at Azalea Middle School in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. That is correct. Yep. And uh, we we had uh, some guest chairs there and some people were just stopping by the booth. We were trying to promote double shot drones. And uh, this, this guy stopped by, Ken this Ken, random dude, Ken Fleming, everybody. This is Ken Fleming, and he just totally floored us for an hour straight. Davy's mouth was like open, agape, mine too, listening to what he does with drones and diving and basically recovery. So, Ken, we're just gonna let you have the floor, you know. Um, I, I I usually have like standard interview questions and stuff, but you're not God, man. I think you're uh, not a standard guest. <laughs> you're not a standard guest. So I'm gonna say let's start it out. Hey, what what brought you to start this dive and recover? Uh, so guys, what he does, he does um he does uh, recon dive and recovery of uh humans, basically a cold case he solves cold case files using uh drones uh aerial drones uh submersible drones and and diving equipment you know so ken how did this all start well first things first mike and davey thanks for having me on the show really appreciate it the reason we're talking is because of one of my partners his name is Vern shirts he's with uh, auvsi which is an organization that has the trusted operator drone program and um, I'm a part 107 licensee myself. I started out as a, as a pilot, was on track to be an airline pilot, and then ran out of money along the way. So ended up in the IT world and uh, came up with a few hobbies along the way that I thought were going to be cheaper than flying um, and then found out later they weren't. Um, but, uh, but I am a, a 107 operator. That said, I don't have stick time. So Vern's getting me on. Uh, he's got a whole uh, quiver full of, um, you know, drones above and below the surface and in the air and all that so shout out to vernon auvsi if you guys are looking for above part 107 trusted operator commercial decide the kind of stuff that you guys do uh he's a great resource for that so check oh, it absolutely. out absolutely yeah you were and, saying and that he would be a good uh he would be, be a good a interview great as well. and so i've been yeah. researching him a little bit and uh 
Yeah. Yeah. And I'll definitely. talk, I'll talk later about some of the stuff he's been doing in the Carolinas using, using that equipment. So uh, the way I got into it was um, I had gotten into diving when I moved to Pensacola from California in about 04, 05, um, thinking that diving would be a little more affordable than flying, uh, which I, I couldn't hack at the time while paying mortgages and all that. So um, got into it and uh, I didn't have a, uh, a a dive buddy, didn't have a dive boat. So I went on my couple charters and this and that, and then I didn't have anywhere to go. And so I started diving springs, which is um, one of the springs where I got certified. And you look at the bottom of the spring and there's a little hole and there's crystal clear avion quality water coming out of it. And you go, well, what's down there? And they say, well, that's a cave. And if you go in there, you're going to get killed. Oh, what's it take to go down there? Well, it takes, you know, years and years of training just to get into the you know, you've got to get trained to the cavern level. And then, you know, you spend a year, 18 months at that level. And then you go a little bit farther, maybe 400 feet back in the cave and you start using the rule of thirds and, you know, multiple sets of lights, multiple tanks, you know, triple redundancy on everything. And then you progress along that. So I did that over the course of five years and um, kind of got to what I consider my own personal pinnacle of the dive world, which is discovering new cave. And everyone thinks that all the cave in Florida has been found. But if you get in a canoe or kayak and go, you know, over 90 beaver dams and inch, water that starts at two inches and ends in, you know, 30, 40 feet deep, um, eventually you'll find something no one's ever found before. So, yeah, Ken, uh, just uh, Ken, I was a, a professional guide, kayak instructor and guide for about 18 years. And I, I found a few caves just, you know, paddling and then diving out of out of my kayak and just trying to explore stuff and i found caves like along you know wikiwachi and you know uh, chasawitska and you know who knows if they're discovered or not but i found them so yeah and, and most most of them are like most of them you get beyond the level that the average person can get to and that's where you find a grim reaper sign it says don't go any farther you're going to get yeah. killed if you don't know what you're doing and then you follow the line from there and go in so i got to that um i got to find and name and explore new cave with my partner matt bull and then um kind of reached the pinnacle of diving and then took a break i was between two jobs i finished went down to costa rica i've got a place down there that i've been working on since i was 28 wow. 20, 23 and a half acres, multiple waterfalls, and I've been doing all the infrastructure, lots and electricity and all that for many years. That's my 401k. That's that's my retirement plan. Nice. So I spent a few months down there working on that uh, between December of 2012 is when I stopped diving and then came back into St. Pete and, um, you know, started getting back in the working world. And I never got back into cave diving, never got back into diving because I didn't have friends in the, in the area. And, um, when you're diving at that level, you can't just return to that level. The guys who do end up end up deceased uh, when they have, you know, uh, disposable income and time and they're right around my age. Um, you know, you get up to that level. And then if you take a break and don't start to work back up to that level, you think, hey, I used to dive here. I can dive here again. That's when you make mistakes. So I knew that I couldn't do that. So I, I was like, well, I'll, I'll get back into diving eventually. And then several years went by and um, I started getting back into diving with some family members and friends just for fun. Go look at fish. They're brand new divers that that are inexperienced. So I got to put my basic set on and just go have fun in, in the ocean and stuff and a couple springs for fun. And uh, then I saw these guys on YouTube that were using their scuba skills to um, sonar search, recover and solve cold cases. And, and I looked at what they do and how they do it. And um, I was really um, 
you know, emotionally struck by, um, you know, doing a mission greater than yourself and the, the value of that that it brings to families. And I also looked at it and thought, well, that's unsafe, that's unsafe. And not picking on those teams. They're, they're diving, you know, to, to the ability that they were trained. But I thought there's, there's a few things they could do better. And, and I knew that I could do better. I knew I could be more methodical um, and uh, just have a different approach, you know, a little, little more methodical approach. Um, and, you know, the truth is we need as many folks in the country as we can to do this work. And that movement uh, always invites more people. Hey, turn on your sonar equipment, look for people. If you find something, call the police. So I thought, well, let me, let me give this a try. So I started um, putting together the equipment. I was using just a fishing reel with a sonar bobber, the Garmin Striker cast, and just looking up cold cases going in my area. And I found a vehicle, what I thought was a vehicle um, when I you know, I checked a few ponds and then I ran my first sonar swipe out of a kayak, out of a Hobie kayak, uh, a short one. And um, I also found out that pedaling the kayak and doing the sonar and all that's pretty rough on the back when you're getting my age. Yeah. So, but I found a vehicle uh, and right around that same time, I ran into um, my friend Mike at Sunshine State Sonar and he had already been out on a few searches. He had a sonar boat with live scope and my live scope was not functioning. It was brand new and it was actually a factory defect. I had to send it back. But I said, hey, I found something up here in Coco. Um, we were looking for a missing veteran. I'm like, can you come up here and just verify? And he said, well, hey, I'm just working on my dive cert. I do sonar, but we always have to call in the dive stuff to someone else. So it was sonar and dive peanut butter jelly we, we just meshed together and started working together and so on our first recovery we're, we're pulling this blue chevy malibu out of coco and we just get the thing out and flip it down and we're just starting to film the inside of the vehicle and then bam 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 shots fired at the housing complex right next to us drive-by shooting i had a you know officers from coco in black i had um uh deputies from the sheriff's department were doing the dive they're in their khakis and their polos they didn't even have their gun belts on because they just gotten out of the water they run to their car the coco deputy runs into the gunfire they come back with ar-15s and plate carriers and they all assaulted towards the uh housing complex and turned out to be a drive-by shooting guy was hit in the foot um so that was my first recovery um and it's i'm right in the middle of, it, of wrapping the video and the shots ring out, the, the whole thing's on camera. So one of these days, it's going to make a great episode. <laughs> uh, so we, then we started doing that. And um, a few weeks later, that was that was December of uh, 2022. And then January of 2023, uh, Mike invited me on a trip to Davie, Florida to search for Karen Moore. And um, I couldn't go because I had some work commitments. So I stayed and uh, Britain uh, from Depths of History, Britain Lockhart went with Mike and they actually found Karen Moore. And, so, uh, her, so how was, many years was she? So she was a 22-year missing cold case that turned out to be foul play, and um, wow. and the the theory is that a the suspect who is also a husband. Now this is all theory, alleged. I'm not accusing anyone, uh, but the theory is that um, she was murdered um, and then put in the car and then sunken in the pond. So um, I was disappointed because I didn't get to be part of that, but they did a great job. They recovered the vehicle. Um, when they recovered the vehicle, it came with, um, it came out upside down with windows either broken or open and the trunk was open. So when they recovered it, a lot of, you know, the contents spilled out. So they, they didn't believe him that it was the car because they didn't have the plate because the plate was buried and the trunk was open. And it was all in silt. And they couldn't lift the trunk, but when they got it on shore, they, they verified, yeah, it's her car. And they found, I believe, two finger bones. And then it became the crime scene. 
And so over the course of, uh, I think three weeks, five departments dove on that location and they recovered uh, Karen Moore's skeletal remains from about belly button up uh, full set, um, but they didn't find her lower half, um, which we'll get back to later on as we go through these cases. Um, so that was that was a huge one. That was a 22 year cold case. Um, and then in so Mike, Mike and I, after that, started continuing to work cases, going out and searching and we'll, we'll work a case real hard or certain routes and then we'll kind of come to a dead end. We'll be pending. So, um, you know. so, so Ken, you're not, you're not getting paid for this. This is all volunteer work, right? Correct. So this is 100 percent volunteer uh, self self-funded for many months. And then we finally put a GoFundMe up. I've got 25, 30 grand into this. Hobby. We're going to put, we're going to put those links up when I edit. <laughs> oh, everything. Cool. We'll, we'll do all that. We'll get all that from you after the show. Yep. So I've got, you know, a bunch of money into this and it's, it's, um, you know, something I do out of, you know, out of a passion um, between Mike and I, we've gotten about three grand um, from supporters and it's typically right after we locate a victim, we get a, a small influx of donations for what we do. And then it goes quiet for, for many months and, and we just continue to put into it. So it's, it's a labor of love and, and, you know, it's, it's my way kind of serving my fellow man, you know, serving God, you know, doing what I can to help other people. So that's your, yeah. That's your motivation. It's, um, it's yeah. you're, you're doing good to the community. Yeah. And Ken, are, Ken, are you using submersible drones at this stage? Not yet. Not yet. And we're going to get to that. So, so we did that case and then um, we solved two more in April um, about eight or 10 days apart. Um, so we, we were searching, we, we would work a case, run out of leads and then ask family or law enforcement or, you know, try to do open source investigation. And we'd kind of finish on one case and pivot over to another. And we would go on these different searches over the weekends, whenever we could, um, sometimes, oh, most of the time working together, sometimes solo, um, sometimes with different partners. And so we were, um, we were on the case of Robert Heike in Port Orange. He was a school teacher that was missing two and a half years. He was loved by the community. He actually did his full retirement and then came back and worked another year just to be around the kids. Um, and uh, he left to go take off and have a good time one weekend and never came back. And they had um, cell phone tracking of his phone coming back up I-4 at over 100 miles an hour at like three in the morning. They had it going down one of the roads at 85 miles an hour. And so five of the um, national teams that are, that are already doing this kind of work showed up and and worked together on that case and they covered you know 60 to 100 spots so adventures with purpose chaos divers um exploring with nug adam brown adventures and depths of history and then a few others that, that work with you know adventures with purpose they all came and worked on this case all over and they did find a vehicle in coco that was not, not related but they never did find him um police looked for him sheriffs looked for him and they even brought the fbi in they did advanced cell phone telemetry to determine hey this was the last tower this was the direction that that it was traveling um and then it just went dark and it, it paused for seven minutes and went dark and so i think mike looked for him for over a year i probably spent um eight months to a year off and on you know working with mike on that actually let me back up about four months working on that with mike i would say eight searches um and we were returning one more time to search that road from I-4 to where we located him within a few miles of his house. And all the roads out there are just grid lines. They're very, very square with sharp right angle turns. And this one had a little S turn in it. And it's a turn you're supposed to take at, you know, 35 miles an hour. And he was going 85. Wow. Um, and so we were going back and rechecking ponds. 
So Mike and John, his brother, and a bunch of other folks had already done a ground search all up and down that road with ATVs and um, throwing magnet fishing and all that. And they had sonared a lot of those ponds. So we were going back to sonar again. And this one was 75 yards off of the highway or off of the road, um, you know, past trees, over bushes, you know, um, you would have never thought a vehicle could have gotten in there. And when we went back there, Mike had been there with a search team before the water was higher and he had magnet fished a section of it that he could get to. Uh, when we went back, I started putting my striker cast bobber in there and checking the depths and I was getting 2.1 feet. It was right after the droughts towards the end of uh, the beginning of last year. Um, 2.1 feet on the other side of the tree stand, three and a half feet, not enough to hide a car. Um, and he was ready to call it. He's like, look, we've been here before. We magnet fished it. You know, let's just call it. And I said, well, let's, let's go around the backside and maybe we can throw the bobber. Maybe it gets deeper and it's a little canal type of pond. Yeah. And um, as we're rounding the corner, I said, hey, up by that um, pine tree, uh, you know, find me a spot either on this side or that side of the pine tree. And I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can cast and, and get some depth. And as we're approaching the pine tree, Mike starts yelling. He sees the top of the vehicle. And so the water had gone from seven feet down to about five. And that was the only deep section in that pond. After that, it gets shallow again. And we, we saw the roof of the car and, you know, we all responded. And then I went into the dive um, and the plate was only a few feet underwater. So I went down, checked the plate, verified the plate, knew that we had, you know, Robert Heike's, sorry. Yeah. Robert Heike's car. And then um, did a vehicle assessment underwater um, and uh, didn't have to use sonar on that, but, but actually found him visually. Um, and then uh, just over a week later, we were back in the St. Pete side working in Palm Harbor on a case for uh, Robert Helfrey. Which um, is very close to me. I live in Clearwater. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right around the corner. So 17 yeah. year, 17 year um, Desert Storm veteran, 17 year missing persons case, um, all kinds of foul play rumors. He was headed to his friend's house. So everyone accused the friend of killing him. Um, you know, there were all kinds of theories. And Mike had worked the heck out of that case. He had searched every body of water, I mean, hundreds of bodies of water in that area. All so is he using water. drones to, to search some? No, to no. So, so not, we're not into drones yet. Um, so he's using a, we specialize in pond hopping in very, very small boats. So we're using sonar in a seven foot boat that we can pick up and move, pick up and move very so, quickly. So it's like a kayak and it's got like these, um, his is more like a dinghy that you'd put behind like a small okay. sailboat or something like that. But yeah, and I have something called a pond prowler, which is a foot longer, a little bit faster, uh, but you know, electric trolling motors. Now we're using gas as well, but electric trolling motor two dudes in a little boat, sometimes one dude in a little boat with a sonar unit on it. And so we get um, side scan, which is like a picture in time. It's like a dot matrix printer. It just goes, goes and goes, and you can kind of, you know, see it go by. Um, and then once we see a target, we turn and we use live scope, which is like flashing a flashlight underwater. You can see the actual structure. You can move around in real time. You don't have to wait for it to, to give you a signal. So um, we were, I was headed to the next pond to put in the bobber. We, we run leapfrog. So I'll put in a bobber. He'll check the, I'll say, yes, it's deep enough. Check it. He'll put the boat in. I'll go to the next one. No, it's not deep enough. Skip that. Let's go to the third one. And we just leapfrog like this through, throughout the area and cover as much as we can, as quick as we can. And I was at the next pond casting and I got a call, get over here, get over here, throw your dive gear on, get over here. So he's a few blocks away. I pull up and he, he's in a verbal altercation with the HOA president 
who is, you know, screaming at him. There's no way there's a vehicle in there. There's no way there's a vehicle. You know, he, he thought they were trying, he thought that Mike and John were trying to steal his uh, pond fountain because they had just replaced the pond fountain. And, uh, you know, there's a house here, a house here. This is, you know, you turn into this intersection and there's the water and there's no fence and there's no way there's someone in there. We would have heard it. We would have heard it. I said, you know, man, with all due respect, it's three in the morning. You guys are asleep and you'd be surprised how quietly one of these can slip into the water. Oh, we would have seen tire tracks. I said, look, they already have a picture of an anomaly that we think could be it. It's in the right area. He says, oh, and that's part of the pond apparatus. That's part of the drain. I said, well, you know, it doesn't hurt to go check. No, 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 it's a liability. He says, have your lawyer send our lawyer a letter. And I said, wait, wait, wait. If I'm a lawyer and I get a letter from some sonar group saying, I want to get in your water, my immediate answer is going to be too much risk. No. I said, come on, man. If this was your daughter, your son, you would want them to check. Well, Mike is a little less cool headed than me when it comes to these altercations. And, you know, they, they start having words and I'm, I'm trying to get them to back down. And, you know, it, it becomes a, well, we're going to call the police. And we, you know what? Great. Here's the detective you can call. You know, Ron Chalmers, uh, he's a cold case detective with Pinellas County Sheriff's. We've been working with him for a while trying to solve this case and a few other ones. And uh, oh, and by the way, you know, here's the dive commander. We just pulled two cars with them two weeks ago. Call him, too. Well, so we get a deputy. Deputy calls. Eventually, it gets escalated to the detectives and they say, yeah, those guys are great. Let them dive. So um, with deputies on site, they let us proceed. But the HOA restricts me to um, snorkel only which when you're trying to find a missing person underwater is kind of difficult. Um, So snorkel only, I go out there and I come down on top of something metal that's kind of boxy and kind of slope down the side. And I can just kind of make out where it is, but I can't tell what it is. Nothing like a car. Um, Come back up a couple big puffs of breath, go back down and I come down the side of it and I feel glass door handle. I can see some pinstriping. I can make out that it's a vehicle. I come up, Hey, we have a vehicle. Now it's changed everything. Now we have a vehicle underwater. It is a crime scene, whether there's a person in it or not. Um, let's, you know, let us put on our gear and find out if this is him. So they say, okay, you can put your scuba gear on. So, and, you know, they say, well, if this is, if this is what you think it is, send the police dive team. I said, do you know, do you know what it costs to bring a police dive team on scene to roll their giant truck and all their guys in overtime? And who's going to pay for it? Yeah. And I said, we're doing this for free because we want to help people. So I said, if we find something, then they'll roll the dive team. So they let us, they let us dive. Um, and the detectives want us to dive too. put on the gear, dive down there. And I know the plate I've been studying the case and the plate is down in the silt and the visibility's five, six inches, if that to where I can't make out the plate, but I can trace it. And when I got to the NYD at the end, those are very specific letters. I knew, I, I said, you can, I announced it over my regulator, you know, um, Robert Heike, or sorry, Robert Helfrey, two Roberts, Robert Helfrey, we have <laughs> Robert Helfrey. So we found Robert Helfrey, I think that's on one of the news clips. And then, you know, they put two deputies on it overnight, bring in yeah. the vehicles. And that was Palm Harbor, that was Palm Harbor, Florida. That was right? Palm Harbor. So that was yeah. number three, four for the year. Um, and that's when I started looking at, um, you know, being able to operate with drones. And there are other teams that are running. Um, there was a, a, a husband and wife team called uh, Team Waters, Dennis Waters. And he had built an ROV on an aluminum hull that has two props and um, some runners steering, uh, a lot of moving parts inside, very large, heavy uh, lead acid battery and a really large hummingbird sonar unit, very expensive unit. 
beautiful quality, but um, it's you have to run it throughout the pond, bring it back, and then hit playback and see what it saw. So, How long ago was this, Ken? So this was, um, they, they've had that for a while, but I started looking at it around um, May of, of 2023 is when I started thinking about, you know, what it takes to, to develop a drone. Then I saw Adam Brown Adventures and Adam uh, Adam Brown and Exploring with the Nug is two guys that do what we do in Atlanta and they're great guys. And Adam had taken a similar concept on a lower budget and adapted it to a child size five foot kayak, um, you know, your basic Walmart five foot kayak so he put some thrusters on there and he did some really smart things instead of having thrusters and all these different rudders he just used a pro opposing thrust so much easier when you just have two moving parts forward and back and you can you can turn on a dime um and he built it you know with a harbor freight case and and a, and a big battery and all that so it's a little bit heavier a little bit bigger than than what i was thinking but they were having success with that the other thing adam did which was brilliant was he um, use the HDMI out from his hummingbird sonar into a, a video transmitter and then transmits that to shore and he's got a screen so he can watch in real time. So that's a game changer instead of having to wait. Plus, if you see something, you can do a turn and come back, which is the other one. You got to kind of, you know, watch the whole track and then go, okay, I found something. Well, I can't go back over it. So I don't know where in the pond it is. I just know at what time it came up. So now I really have to launch a boat to go find it again. And you can't get a second view. So being able to have real time, you can see real time what it is. So I looked at Adam's design and said, that's way better. Um, again, me analyzing, you know, kind of open source, you know, um, finally got his number. We texted and talked a little bit and he gave me some recommendations um, on how the controllers work, some of the things he did. And then I, I set out to build one smaller, uh, cheaper and a little bit faster and uh, similar components, but a lot cheaper. My sonar is $600, not $6,000. Um, my batteries, you know, I, uh, much smaller and um, the whole thing's a little more nimble. It's on. So you a, could use some. You could use some more funding. Is what we're. <laughs> right? Yeah, but you know what? I I wouldn't change this design because um, for a few hundred dollars, I built something that's getting me the results of a twenty thousand dollar, you know, specialty purpose built, you know, um, uh, ROV. We we call them um, ASV above surface vehicles. So that's when I got into that. I also hooked up with Vern and Hilo, and he has a channel called Hilo and Sub. Yeah, um, I checked it out. Yeah, where he does adventures. So he has, I think, four aerial drones uh, and does, you know, um, you know, drone pilot training and the trusted operator program. Uh, he started building an above surface vehicle based on the kayak like Adam had, but with um, a little bit smaller sonar and very similar components. So him and I are now trade building while we're doing searches. We're also building and trading advice on how we built these things. Um, uh, my controller didn't work, his did. So I went and got a better controller for, you know, like for airplane flying. And I was able to fine tune my steering a little better. Uh, he came up with a better solution for video transmission because the first time I used mine, I had to do the playback method. So we don't have HDMI out on our sonar. So we decided, you know, oh, where Vern suggested, put a camera looking at the screen. It's not going to be perfect, but camera looking at the screen, then video transmit that out via HDMI to a, um, screen sitting on shore while you have the remote controller and you can watch in real time and you know not a gopro but a what we call a faux pro uh the, the fake gopro 67 dollars instead of 400 you, you, know? you have any problems with uh, gators we have a lot of, a lot of that's on the diving side <laughs> yeah we, we've had a few aggressive ones so gators are um you know bottom-up predators if they see on the surface they'll yeah. 
So we try to get down immediately and, and get, you know, down the main line and get down there with them. And then um, I don't have any problem with anything that's maybe a foot or two longer than me. But when they start getting bigger than me and they think they can take me, that's the ones that, or if they're food aggressive, if they're in an area where they're being fed a lot and they're aggressive, they're coming towards you. Usually they go away from you. Um, but I've, I've been in there with some eight plus footers, 10, 10 footers, as long as they're oh, not man. So you were saying something about, uh, okay, so you got a guy in shore and you're, you're down there in real time and, you know, your IT background helps you like communicate with the guy on shore. In well, yeah, time. so we're, so very, very we're, we're not, we're not communicating. What I'm talking about is we've got an, an ROV and, and I'm actually going right. to, I'm going to switch, uh camera angles there so that's the top of my little case it's like a harbor freight case and okay. I'll, pop, I'll pop it open here for you and I, I don't have a great camera angle on it but you can see so there's my sonar running a sim and you can see there's there's a camera here the faux pro we call it and a sonar unit here so the camera's looking at that and then i've got a, a lithium ion um 20 amp hour battery behind it it's on a, a 3800 series Apache case from Harbor Freight, so an inexpensive case. And if I can swing this a little bit up, swing this angle up. So here I have an HDMI transmitter. There's the controller for my thrusters. This is another uh, FPV camera um, unit, and I used to have FPV camera looking at it, but we found that these other cameras were more reliable. So I'm going to use the FPV camera so that I can have a visual forward view and pick like a tree or something to drive the uh, the ROV towards. But it's um, basically just a sonar and a battery and a camera looking at it and transmitting all that via wireless to the shore. And uh, let me close cool. that up for you. And then underneath, it's just a pair of thrusters. We've got some antennas over here. And then uh, underneath, it's just a pair of thrusters. And um, the whole package is on a 32-inch child boogie board. So instead of a five-foot-long kayak that I need a partner and a heavy battery and all that, I pick mine up like a briefcase with a boogie board attached to it. And I walk to the shore, set it in the water, grab my controller, and it takes off. And same thing, recovery is a lot easier, especially if we have to get over... Uh, vegetation and things like that so that's my asv or rov okay. whatever you want to call it you, so, you were telling us at the at the drone expo about that time like like you know the vehicles are upside down usually the trucks or the cars sometimes the windows are open sometimes they're not and you gotta when you're diving down there you gotta reach in yep. what happened that one time you reached in so that was um the, the um, fourth and fifth case. Um, so fourth case was Karen Moore, who I talked about originally being found the 22 year cold case, the woman that was murdered. We got called back to Davy, And that was, I think, Friday, we went back to die for her. So nine months had gone by. And they, when they were stirring up all the silt on the bottom, they thought that they might have seen part of another car, like a roof line or something. But it had since been covered back up. And that's because you had five dive teams over three weeks in there. So they had stirred up and maybe found a second car. And their dive team with uh, Davy P hadn't been able to find that car again. The other question was, are there more remains of Karen Moore in there? Or was the other half of Karen Moore disposed of somewhere else, you know, in a barrel in some other location or something? So um, the detective kind of unofficially invited us down there to see what we could find. Um, I went down on the buoy that went to her car's original location after it had been recovered nine months later. And I'm sweeping with a metal detector, which is something that that um, I was trying for the first time. And I'm sweeping with a metal detector. And every time I run across a little bump, 
I start feeling what is that? If it's limestone, if it's rock, it's going to crumble in your hands because it's porous and it's soft. Um, I ran into a hard piece that was like a rock with two little ears hanging off of it. And those I recognized as um, vertebrae facet joints. So what I had found is her lower sacral spine towards the bottom of her spine. Um, and uh, I recognized it immediately. And this is all by feel. This is in zero visibility, complete muck um, by feel. And I'm tucking it into my wetsuit. While I'm doing that, the metal detector had gotten loose for me. It was tethered, but it got loose for me. And it starts going. Dee -dee 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 -dee. I found so, Ken, we're going to get cut off here real soon, but we're going to do it part two. All right. <laughs> um, you know, definitely. We're going to continue this. So